in those early years, um, when I came to know the Lord, um, he, he and his family were so against it that they actually advised him to divorce me. Joy spent many lonely years trying to trust God and love her husband well. Thankfully, she found the support and encouragement she needed. I think that God just really used focus on the family um, and your guys' ministry to grow me and um, prepare me and um, guide my heart to live out um, in front of my husband what it means to follow Christ. And the best news of all is that Joy's husband also became a follower of Jesus. I'm Jim Daly. When we work together, we can strengthen more marriages like Joy's and give families hope. Please call 800, the letter A in the word family, or donate at focusonthefamily.com hope, and your gift will be doubled. We live in a world full of stories and narratives and desperate attempts to get our attention. And that's especially true around Christmas. When it seems like there's new holiday movies vying for our attention every year, even though we still have a pile of classics from (laughs) yesteryear. Yet, as with a lot of things, most of them are here today, gone later today, to quote David Lee Roth. But what about the ones that stick? What is it about them? Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, when you think of Christmas movies that have stood the test of time, what comes to mind? For many of us, I suspect that one of the 648,000 versions of Dickens' A Christmas Carol might be one or two that come to mind. Whether it's an old version or the Muppets or just another of the many versions, there's something about the themes that Dickens deals with that seems to transcend generations. So today in our first segment, we're going to talk about some of those themes and we're going to use the new Apple TV Plus Dickens-ish movie (laughs) Spirited to explore them and to go deeper. Paul Acey recently reviewed that film for us and even though it's got a fair number of plugged in problems. Yes, indeed. He secretly said to me, this is one of my favorite movies. of the year." <laughs> so we're going to talk about what it was that Paul saw and what he liked in perhaps an unlikely entry with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell uh, in this Dickens remake. And in our second segment, Bob Hoos and Jonathan McKee will each talk about one of their favorite Christmas movies and why they think it stands the test of time. Then we'll all play another rousing round of Name That Movie, in which we each describe a well-known film in an exaggerated way, while the rest of the team tries futilely to guess <laughs> what it is. Don't make it too hard, guys. We want to win at this. This is a. Per- I'm still not quite sure what constitutes winning. Well, right. I mean, I think there's a partic- <laughs> there's a participation trophy involved okay. here somewhere. Right. There okay. we go. I can Good. Deal with that. It's good enough. All in all, I think we're going to have a rousing Christmas conversation today. And we're glad you have chosen to spend some of your holiday time with us this week. In fact, we'd love it if you would tell others about The Plugged In Show, either through word of mouth or by leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can always let us know not only what you think of the podcast in general, 
but what your favorite Christmas movie classics are too and why. You'll find links to join that conversation on Facebook and Instagram in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the blog for this week's conversation. So that's where we're going. And while you top off your eggnog or wassail or whatever it is that you're drinking this Christmas season and settle in for we'll call it a medium length winner's podcast. Let me introduce you to our participants this week. We've got plugged in editor, Paul AC, screen and youth culture expert, Jonathan McKee and Bob Hoos, our in-house book and video game expert. Welcome gentlemen. Good hello, hello. Christmas to you. Good Christmas to you too, Paul. It felt <laughs> deeply sincere, but I'm going to return it with extra sincerity, shall we say? Yeah. I felt the sincerity all the way across this table. <laughs> Well, what is one Christmas tradition that you and your family look forward to every year? Well, I can say that uh, watching a Christmas movie <laughs> is fair. That's is fair. fair. I'll allow <laughs> that. Yeah, but I think I think our favorite is that on uh, Christmas Eve we usually go out to dinner and then read the Christmas story together. Oh, I like that. That's very oh, nice. That's every Christmas Eve. Yep, that's really nice. We do lasagna every Christmas Eve. That's a little weird. We love I mean, lasagna. not for me to stand in judgment on your Christmas tradition, but <laughs> mine's weird really too, fantastic. so you can shoot it right back it's, at it's me. It's actually my favorite Christmas tradition. It wasn't the one I was actually going to talk about, oh, okay. but I do like lasagna on Christmas Eve. It's really fantastic. Well, what were you going to talk about? Oh, I love lasagna. Yeah, oh. well, and it's the only time of year that we get to have it because it's just so tricky to make, right? Right. You know, it takes you, a while. You make lasagna one time a year? One time a wow. year. Not one counting, not counting the Stouffer's and frozen you don't buy version. a frozen one at Costco and just stick it in. <laughs> no, you actually like you can't do lay the noodles out and okay. No, right. actually, no, you've really got You've got to just make wanted to check. Not that I do that. I'm just checking <laughs> to make sure. You know, All right, not I'll, that I buy two lasagnas for eighteen fifty nine. Never mind, give or take. All right, I'll, I'll I'll save my my real Christmas tradition for next year. Okay, we'll use a lasagna. Okay, lasagna it is. Jonathan? Um, man, I, I can't say the food because I already, you know, bared my soul in the Thanksgiving podcast and said how much I dislike turkey and mashed potatoes and all that and, <laughs> and wish that I could just have pizza, which I had this Thanksgiving and it was the best Thanksgiving ever. But uh, so, yeah, no, it's not food. You know what? I think it is the tradition that, you know, um, that everybody should adopt, which is, of course, stockings. On Christmas Eve. That's just my favorite part. Because ever since I was a kid, you know, we've done that. And we've, you know, we just kind of said, hey, you know, and my my parents used to even always like pretend they're like, I think we heard Santa came early. And we'd be like, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, whatever. On Christmas Eve, they're empty. Yeah, you know, that, yeah, exactly. I know, that's, and that's the thing. They would always, now see, I was a pastor's kid, and so we always did this Christmas Eve service, and so when we ran off to the Christmas Eve service, we'd go with my dad, who was going to preach at the Christmas Eve service, and mom would stuff the stockings full of stuff, you know? So she was like doing the Santa thing, or the Mrs. Claus thing, and it was always cool, and when we came back, the stockings were full, and so we have continued that tradition, and this year again, even with my grandson, man, stockings, Christmas Eve. Eve, it's gonna be a good thing. You know, it's it's the way the Lord intended it. I, I don't think that's true. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> does 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 Santa return on Christmas Day and give you more gifts? He does. He does a is special he... trip for the McKee family. My um, goodness, and, yeah. that wow. seems really, really fortunate. You know, you hear about I naughty and nice. Creepy. We are that nice. <laughs> we are that nice. So yeah. <laughs> okay, Adam. Well, when I was growing up, 
my family did something that my wife and I actually haven't replicated because it's too much work. See previous discussion of lasagna. Um, <laughs> my parents started doing something called English breakfast. And so oh. Christmas morning, we would have fried tomatoes, fried mushrooms, usually some kind of potatoes. Um, and it was a very interesting breakfast meal that um, I always looked forward you to know that, immensely. That sounds really cool. No, it was I think really I might, cool. I might no. try that this no. year. Yeah, and I'm missing fried some, mushrooms. I'm I missing something. Right no, I, I never ate the fried mushrooms because I mean, disgusting. Let's face it, it's oh, fungus. On. You people. <laughs> I mean, it feels like somewhere in the Old Testament they said don't no eat, class, don't eat fungus. But whatever, I digress. Well, <laughs> let's. I do digress, don't I? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about Christmas movies. One of my favorite things about working at Plugged In is when a movie unexpectedly exceeds my expectations because usually it's the latter. Whatever my expectations are, they're shattered. Um, This is a job where we deal with a lot of disappointment. I think it's safe to say. Paul, you recently had that happen to you, and I hinted at it in the intro with the new movie Spirited, which is both in theaters and streaming on Apple TV+. Sort of the reverse of what you said, actually. Oh, okay. Now, now, wait a minute. Before we even start with this, are you saying, because I haven't seen it, right? are you saying that this is a new classic? Is that what you're saying? Because we, we brought it up in the context of a classic Christmas podcast. Well, I'm using it as an entree to the discussion of Christmas classics, and I guess time will tell if this one stands the test of time. I know I use time like twice there in that sentence, but uh, that's all right. That's Paul, all right. tell us about spirited. <laughs> so to answer your question, Mr. Hoos, yeah. I think for me, spirited may become a Christmas classic. Now, one mm. of the things I think mm. about, about these movies uh, is that they tend to be very individual, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, that for whatever reason we gravitate towards certain movies at certain times in our lives, they become sort of a part of who we are. That's one of the beauties and, and curses of movies. Um, and I think that, that when you're talking about Christmas movies, they have a special energy to them. Um, because they are so seasonal, they center on a very special time of the year. Uh, you just so, answered like eight of my other questions. <laughs> There's plenty Thanks. more to talk about. Thanks. Trust me. Trust me. So just to just to give the lay of the land, uh, essentially what we have is is a Christmas carol, only not really. We realize as the movie begins that Dickens' A Christmas Carol is actually a yearly thing. It didn't just happen to Scrooge. It happens every single year. The ghosts of Christmas present, uh, past, and yet to come haunt some terrible, despicable soul to change somebody them into... Somebody who's Scrooge-like? Somebody who's Scrooge-like to change them into a better person. Mm. And then once they are changed, they all sing and dance about it that's what oh, happened okay. with me when they came to visit me yeah so <laughs> yeah, yeah it's true it's generally true. speaking the the people that they deal with are terrible people but they have a small reach <laughs> this time christmas present who's played by will ferrell wants to go beyond that to go for quote unquote the whale and that whale <laughs> is clint briggs he is sort of a publicist who specializes in rage he encourages controversy. He encourages people to get very mad at each other. He deals with a lot of powerful organizations, and he knows, Christmas present knows, that if he can change this man, the ripples could go out into the world and make
make the world actually a better place. And he's played by Ryan Reynolds, correct? He is played. So, I mean, the fact that it's Deadpool, I mean, it just adds a layer here. There you go. Right? There you go. (laughs) So what happens? So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to. I don't, don't want to. Well, I mean, right? in a non-spoilery kind of way. <laughs> so you you see what you see in the Dickens story. These these ghosts come. They haunt Clint. Uh, Clint. The reason why he was actually ignored. First of all, is because he was labeled, his file is listed as an unredeemable. He cannot be redeemed. Um, so he's like on the super naughty list. He's on the super naughty list. There has only been one person to go through, quote unquote, the program who has been unredeemable before. Uh, so so Clint is a very much an exception. The CEO of sort of this Christmas enterprise is dead set against even trying to go this way. But, but Christmas present decides that he really wants to try to redeem this unredeemable. But if I could just change this guy, maybe I'll what? Maybe you're what? Oh, no. No. There's no need for a whole big number here. No. No spotlight. Gary, kill the spot- Every day I wake up with a single dream running through my head. Redeeming an unredeemable is nearly impossible. But if you'll promise to stop singing, you can have your power. Clint is very resistant to the ghosts. Um, impassioned pleas to change, shall we say. And as the movie goes on, it becomes not only a story about Clint and whether he will change or not, but Christmas present and whether he can take the next step in his own journey. Whoa, so it kind of goes multiple unexpected directions. Yes. Or maybe one expected direction and one unexpected direction. Correct, correct. Well, obviously there are some themes here that that hint at change, forgiveness, redemption, which I think are some of the core themes. And we'll talk more about those here in just a minute. Um, What was it that caught you by surprise in terms of making it a movie that resonated perhaps more deeply than you expected it to? All right. Now, this is inherently about change and whether people can change. Um, And Clint is on that naughty list, that unredeemable list, because he believes that people don't change. They are inherently lazy. They are inherently selfish. They want to believe the best of themselves, even though they act in sometimes the worst ways. Christmas present and their whole enterprise is is predicated on the idea that people nice can change and should change. And to me, one of the things that struck me was both of those themes are deeply embedded in Christianity, our own Christian walk. You know, the Bible tells us that we are sinners, that we are bad people, that we all have Scrooge in us. And if Mm -hmm. we are left Mm -hmm. to our own devices, that we can be really terrible people. But we've also been given the opportunity to change, to become better. Um, In Christian theology, of course, that change takes place. It begins to take place when we accept Jesus. This this story is not a Christian story. The change is not... And it's got some plugged-in problems, right? Yeah, we'll talk about those. But but the fact that this is the idea that people start out bad, but they can change for the better, and change as they go along making better decisions for themselves every day 
is really powerful, um, or at least it was for me. The other thing that struck me, one of the reasons why I think it struck me particularly hard is, you know, I've, I've made... It, there's no secret that I've had some mental issues, right? I've I've dealt with depression. I've dealt with we weren't going to bring like those that. up today, but uh, okay, <laughs> not yeah. on Christmas. But, but this is really central to to why this movie resonated with mm-hmm. me so much. There's this musical number where Christmas Present talks about being unredeemable, hmm. the idea of being um, unredeemable is a powerful one in my Mm. own journey Mm. because you sometimes feel that way when you're dealing with depression when you're dealing with with some of the issues that you have you you constantly beat yourself up over over what you've done and even though our faith tells us that we have been saved that we have been redeemed sometimes the feelings that you have don't match up with what you know. And so for me, those themes really were very, very powerful for me. Hmm. Wow. I mean, yeah. it feels like more than you might expect from a Will Ferrell, <laughs> yeah. Ryan Reynolds throwaway <laughs> Christmas movie. Because like when I was talking in the intro, it, you know, Christmas movies are a dime a dozen. Hollywood throws another couple hundred at the wall every year to see what sticks. Right. And, and this feels like one that has deeper resonance well, than you expected. But, but that's the great thing about films, isn't it? I mean, the fact is that that you can watch films that resonate with mm-hmm. you that might not mm-hmm. resonate with someone else, but they resonate with you and they can say things that sometimes even the creators didn't, didn't even intend, yeah. you know, the p- creators of the film. Mm. It's interesting when you were leading into this, you were talking about how sometimes your your expectations are dashed, right? Yeah, usually. I was, I was not looking forward to watching Spirited. I thought this is this is going to be a throwaway movie, hmm. and then two thirds of the way through it, I was watching on my you know I, <laughs> I I could feel the tears starting to trickle down my you know it was so and and I know that that a lot of people who watch this will find it an entertaining diversion. But for some people, there's something about these throwaway movies that can really pull at the heartstrings. I think that's right. And and I think um, I hinted at it a little bit. We would be remiss if we didn't do our plugged-in due diligence on why is it this one gets a PG-13. Because if you just took this conversation, you might think it's the best Christmas movie ever. I suspect there are some problem areas that people should probably be aware of, too. There are lots of problem areas, quite honestly. And this is this is one of the vexing things about our job, right? We have we have some movies that resonate with us personally that have loads and loads of problems that could push them off the table for a lot of families. Uh, Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds, they are not known for pulling back on their humor. This is a PG-13 movie, but you do have plenty of sensual asides. You have these double entendres in play. The language can be quite harsh at times. Really? Yeah, so you have the S word sometimes being lobbed. Uh, There's this musical number that actually turns good afternoon into a... a curse phrase, shall we say? Mm. Um, so you have these. Well, elements. that's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, it pulls. It it does make it a difficult watch. I think for a lot of families, um, which again is really frustrating because there's so much good within. Tune this in movie. after the kids have gone to bed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I want to segue into a little bit broader conversation about. A Christmas Carol and Christmas movies in general. What is it that you guys think makes for a movie 
that does stand the test of time. Uh, and, and the parallel question is, what is it about Christmas that maybe opens our hearts up to receive things that are harder to receive the rest of the year? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, you know, I, I think when you think about classic films in general, it's it's generally things some sort of film that sticks with us because of some subject or some topic or something that the, the film deals with. So classic films uh, have that sticking point, but they also have a sense, uh, in my opinion, of transcending time, transcending trends and culture. They, they can speak to us in a number of ways. But I think, I think Christmas films, classic Christmas films, have three other elements. One, they have some kind of nostalgia Something that harkens back to a time when we, that we thought was better or good, uh, and because so, sometimes we, you know, we look at our world as as it continues forward, and we say, well, some of the progress, quote unquote, that we see isn't so great, um, but we we like that nostalgic feeling of harkening back to something better. Mm. Um, but I think that also then connects to some of the things you were just talking about with this film, uh, the fact that. Th- you have Christmas themes in the movie, and, and you don't have to have, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a nativity scene or something like that. It has Christmas themes like giving and love, uh, forgiveness, uh, sacrifice, uh, grace. Those kinds of elements are a part, in my opinion, of a great classic Christmas film. And then lastly, for me, I like what stands out as classic to me is when you've got this iconic figure this iconic actor in the lead. And that's why I like a lot of the, you know, really old classic films. And we're going to talk about that a little bit yeah. in our second segment. But, but I mean, the fact is that I think things, if you've got somebody like a Bing Crosby or a, or a Jimmy Stewart or someone like that, a Denzel Washington, someone that you connect with and you find that to be a, a, a really classic figure, all of those elements can lend themselves to a great Christmas movie. Jonathan? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that because, I mean, man, if you jump on Netflix or Amazon Prime or anything right now, all there is is this exactly what you're saying. Let's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And sadly, most of it is like Hallmark-esque, very (laughs) weak. You say that like it's a bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, let's just say there's a lot there that you end up snoring by about 10 minutes into it. Um, No, I think that uh, it's interesting, and I'm going to kind of throw a bizarre twist on this. I was listening to radio a lot, been driving back and forth and throwing on the radio because I'm in I'm in our older car that doesn't have any plug in for, you know, Spotify. So I'm stuck with radio. (laughs) And I was listening to uh, I was actually listening between the Christian station and a secular station to their Christmas music. And the thing that was so fascinating to me is all the commercials are about depression. I mean, I can't believe how many commercials are all about this time of year might be cheerful for some, but if you're struggling. And so, I mean, there is something out there that is definitely resonating with people about, uh, I have unrest, Mm. that there needs to be some answers here. So I I think Christmas movies kind of fill that void a little bit because people are looking for hope. They're looking for, you know, some sort of answer out there. And sadly, the world likes to, you know, feed them sometimes, oh, looking for a little Christmas magic. But that's why I love it when we see real, true 
Christmas story of the hope that God gives with the greatest gift of all time. So um, interesting just to see that play, this, this search for something more, this desperation. And Christmas is a time where that message is right there. And it's an opportunity for us personally and for churches, for everybody to gather around a hurting generation. You know, you think about some of these classic Christmas movies, and a lot of them are really quite dark. They start off in a very dark place. You think about It's a Wonderful Life, where, you know, it it leads into this tragic moment in this man's life. You have the Grinch who's up there in the mountaintop, all Grinchy, and, you know, and obviously (laughs) we've been talking about Scrooge. It reminds us, I think, and what you just said, Jonathan, I think is really telling. Um, it reminds us that Christmas takes place in the darkest time of the year. Mm. We are surrounded by darkness. If you live in Colorado like we do, you're surrounded by cold. Uh, and that's really the one of the beauties of Christmas. Into this darkness comes a little bit of hope. Mm-hmm. a little bit of light. Yeah. Um, and it's the greatest hope and the greatest light that we have. Um, and I think that the best Christmas movies reflect that yep. hope. It reflects that sense of change, that ability to move into a new year yep. with new optimism and yep. that things in your life can get better. And that, and that's why I think uh, some films that people have argued are Christmas movies aren't really necessarily Christmas movies, like, like Die Hard. Now, I hey. am one of those hey, Die Hard is, hey. is not a Christmas movie <laughs> because it's an, it's an action film that takes place at Christmas, but it's missing <sighs> that sense of of renewal, redemption, whatever. Die Hard has a lot of problems, but I will actually push back a little bit on that. And you're wrong. Amen. Please well, do. Maybe we do this on another podcast. This <laughs> 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 could be a bonus podcast. Is Die there Hard is well, no, a Christmas movie? The, re- <laughs> the reason that I was going to push back is is the fact that... You just ignored my instructions well, to discuss but it I on just, another podcast. This can be sort of an extra thing because what I wanted to talk about was how the marriage was redeemed in that. Yes. Right? There is, Amen. You know, there is but that Paul, sense of But Paul, you can find redemption start. everywhere. Okay. <laughs> no, well, no, I agree, Paul. Typically on the Plugged In Show, we have two totally separate segments, but this is a week where our second segment, which I'm officially starting right now. Okay, second segment. (laughs) Um, That was good. We talked a lot about Spirited, and Jonathan and Bob, I'm curious what you would say is one of your favorite Christmas classics and why you think it stands the test of time. Ooh, Bob, yeah. you want to lead off? Oh, yeah, Bob. Please. I actually think of you as our like old Christmas movie expert. Well, you know, there. To be honest, that is a very difficult question to answer because there are a lot of. I, I do love old films, and there are a lot of old Christmas classics that I could name as some of my favorites. Yeah, um, I, I think. I th- you know, that list of stuff that I thought would be part of a classic Christmas movie, I, I, I think it, it's all fulfilled in It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, uh, now, that may seem like an old hat uh, answer, but it, It's a Wonderful Life because of all the things you were starting to say about the film. Now, here's this man who is literally on the edge of suicide because of how dark his world has become. But then... Through the course of, of an angel's intervention, he learns that his, his life is actually blessed, that there is so much more there that he can be grateful for. 
And by the end of the film, he is. I mean, that that is a, a redeeming uh, light, uh, a wonderful film that, it, uh, you know, you get teary every time you watch it. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm... I'm certainly going to cast no stones at It's a Wonderful Life because that would be a particularly churlish thing to do, I think. Jonathan, what do you have for us? Well, uh, if I was talking to just the men, I might say die hard, uh, but I won't say that. Uh, and, and if I was talking to the wives, I'd give the shout out to my wife's favorite, which is while you're sleeping, you know, because that's definitely a fun one, you know. And so, men, think about that one. Watch that one with your wives. Uh, if I had to stick with movies... I would probably say the Muppets Christmas story just because it's our <laughs> it's our family favorite and we do the quotes all the time because there's so many good quotes from Rizzo. Um, and honestly, it's not to be underestimated because, I mean, for the exact same reasons we just were talking about here. I mean, this is starring Sir Michael Caine and he was actually interviewed uh, as he was getting ready to make this Muppets movie and he told Brian Henson, uh, Jim Henson's son, the guy who does all the Muppets now, he said, I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I'll never <laughs> wink or do anything Muppety. So, I mean, he's really good. It's a good film. Um, but honestly, um, my favorite Christmas movie isn't a Christmas movie. It's the Christmas Peanuts special. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say that that's yeah. the thing that we always watch because... You know, just when I think it's Charlie Brown who exclaims, you know, does anybody know what this is all about? And Linus walks out and he just, you know, quotes from memory, you know, that Luke passage and everybody's silent. And it's just the power of scripture. No movies beat it. So Peanuts Christmas special. Yeah, I would I would echo both of those choices. You know, the 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 Charlie Brown Christmas show is incredibly uh, countercultural in a way. Mm, yeah. You know, when you watch it, we, yeah. we expect things that stand the test of time to have a lot of excitement. You know, you, this is a very, very slow, yeah. gentle show. Yeah. And it speaks to all the things that we've been talking about throughout this episode, where yeah. we, we talk about the darkness of the season, this this boy going through trying to figure out what Christmas is all about. And then you have that beautiful moment where where Linus recites the scripture and where he brings this woe-begotten tree home. And yeah, woe-begotten yeah. is the right word for that <laughs> it tree. Becomes, it so becomes true. this beautiful symbol of redemption. Right, with a little bit of love. With a little bit of love. And that is exactly right. what a Christmas carol, what some of these the best of these Christmas movies, television specials bring to the table, that there is change, that there is redemption if you love, if you give. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love that too. And I think that's a great place to to bring this conversation in for a landing. I hope as we've talked today, maybe this has given you some ideas on things that you can watch as a family and talk about and some of the themes you might pull out. But you're exactly right, Paul. I mean, it really is about redemption and about yeah. hope in a time chronologically where it's darker outside, as you said. And anyway, I'm going to stop because I'm pretty much, <laughs> I'm just repeating what you're saying. So, and you did it better which, than which me. Which we all do. So thanks, we do. gentlemen. We do. Well, now it's time for a segment we call Name That Movie, in which we playfully try to stump each other, oh, a little bit. Like, don't make it too like deep in the weeds uh and we we give an exaggerated description of a film and the rest of us have to guess 
what we're talking about. And I am going to go first. Oh, a surprisingly tall dweller from the Northland travels to New York City in search of his real parentage. Elf. Yeah. Elf. There (laughs) There we go. Jonathan. Okay. Distraught husband visits his wife at work only to stumble upon a group of burglars and ends up using his skills to save the day. Hmm. It's not home alone. Hmm. Although there are burglars in that. Hmm. You have another clue, Jonathan? (laughs) Yeah. Distraught. Distraught, bald husband visits his wife at work only to stumble oh, upon push. a group of burglars of and die ends hard. up using his skills to save the day. Come on, guys. I was thinking surely we're not going to, you know. No. Yeah. Hey. Well, it yeah, seems there we like go. that was low-hanging fruit waiting. Since we'd already talked about that film not being a Christmas movie, yeah. All right. Um, okay, hey, I'll go. Who I'll said go. it had to be Christmas? <laughs> I'll right. go. I'll go. A single mom and her handsome neighbor disagree about things of faith, but her young daughter and a very old man change their mind. Oh, man. Young daughter and very Scanning. old man. Gotta be Clint Eastwood, right? He's <laughs> the only old man. It's a tricky one. No, it's not. Is it super easy? Super easy. It's super easy. Okay, say it again. It's not gone with the wind. Okay, I'll say it once more. Uh, a single mom and her handsome next-door neighbor disagree about things of faith, but a young daughter and a very old man change their mind. Hmm. Handsome neighbor. I'm actually realizing I'm terrible at this game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I- I'll, give you, I'll give you another clue. All right. Santa. Well, that feels like a big clue, but I'm still not coming up with anything. Oh, Miracle on 34th Street? Yes, ah, that's well. it. All that's because I haven't okay. seen the movie. No, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yes, yes. That was a good one. Thanks. That was a good one. All right. Yeah, yeah. Next. Here we go. Paul. I'm ready. Do it. A man in his business is threatened by scandal and disaster, but a new friend helps him realize that all is not lost. Man, that's pretty vague. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, the shop around Carol? the corner. No, no. Mm. Can you say it again? I mean, that's broad. (laughs) A man in his business is threatened by scandal and disaster, but a new friend helps him realize that all is not lost. Sleepless in Seattle? Incorrect, sir. I'm trying. You are. I'm really trying. You are. Star Wars? (laughs) That is exactly right, Jonathan. (laughs) No, that is not right. All right, give, give, okay. give us the answer. Next clue. The man always had a dream of leaving town and making it big somewhere else, but commitments at home kept him there. Oh, oh it's a wonderful life. There you go. There you go. There wow. We go. Well, I knew I was close to Star Wars. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> so that was named that movie, and uh, those were some hard ones, guys, even though theoretically none of them should have been hard. Well, that's the thing, right? As soon as you hear the name of the movie... You think, oh, of course. Uh, like, well, of course. Of course. And we would love to hear from you if you're listening today. Send us in your suggestions for movies that we should feature in mm, this feature. And we would love to hear from you. Because <laughs> we need some help. Because <laughs> we need some help. <laughs> well, thanks again for spending some time with us today at the Plugged In Show. We hope you have enjoyed the show. And if you have, tell your friends. 
Word of mouth is the best way to get our show out there. And you can leave us a comment wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we would also love to hear from you. Send us your awkward movie descriptions. And what about Die Hard? Is it a Christmas movie? Is it not a Christmas movie? We want to hear from you. And finally, what Christmas movies does your family return to year after year? You can let us know on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And we may just feature your answers on an upcoming show. And if you liked our conversation today and want to go deeper, the inspiration for our first segment came from Paul Acey's blog entry from November 29th, reflecting on the spiritual ideas in the movie Spirited and in Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. You'll find a link in the episode notes for today's show and in the blog entry for this week's conversation at pluggedin.com slash blog. Come check it out, and I assure you Paul's perspective will encourage you and inspire you this Christmas season. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us this week at The Plugged In Show. We know that you have a lot of stuff vying for your attention, and we really appreciate you choosing to spend some of your time with us. With that in mind, Merry Christmas, and we look forward to seeing you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. A mysterious phone call and a new nemesis? Emily Jones and Matthew Parker are on the case. I just need to find out who this person is. Oh, sounds like a real mystery. It all starts with a phone caller threatening to blackmail Jones and Parker's friend Jeremy. But this new nemesis won't stop there. Can Emily and Matthew figure out who this blackmailer is before it's too late? Solve the mystery with them by reading Jones and Parker Case Files, The Nemesis. It's the second book in the series with 16 new stories full of fun, faith, and intrigue. It's a great way for kids ages 8 to 12 to sharpen their detective skills while learning important values. Inspect clues, examine the evidence, and try to guess who done it. This is going to be harder than I thought, Mr. Whitaker. Uh-huh. Oh, stop saying that, Priscilla. Relax. We're going to have a blast. For more, go to adventuresinodyssey.com slash jonesandparker. That's adventuresinodyssey.com slash jonesandparker.